You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, guess what, White Sox fans? My name is Brett Ballantini. I'm hosting the Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. It's number 65. Yes, the podcast has reached retirement age, but we are not going to have a retiring sort of podcast tonight because joining me for the second time, and this time not centered solely around her, my guest is Di Billick, who wrote a very interesting piece today that we published, I guess it would be yesterday, given that you're listening to this on Tuesday or points thereafter. But uh, Di, you hit a, uh, I think, a touchstone for a lot of fans. So we're going to get into your piece uh, to pretty uh, into some pretty heavy detail with the piece. Uh, but uh, thanks. Thanks for hopping on, taking some time and uh, doing this again with me. Happy to be here. All right. You know, I, I, I feel like it's just hard to say die. You know, I always just want to say, Hey, die Billick. Hey, die Billick. What do you think about this? Hey, die Billick. So I got to come up with some other, I got to come up with a nickname. I can't. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to. I, I got lady die growing up and it was so obnoxious. Ooh. Like, yeah. what the hell? like what? Yeah. No. So let's just, let's just miss me with that. If you're so lucky. All right. Let's talk about this piece, uh, running on Monday, it was our off day piece and it turned out to be a real good one because, uh, your black and white socks piece, uh, sort of spoke to, uh, maybe some of the uh, angst that, that fans feel, some of the tension, some of the fact that white socks fans don't necessarily know what to do with good fortune. Uh, but I think, I think we should start just talking about the dynamic that you have with your lifelong and probably responsible for you as a Sox fan, uh, Sox fan who we spoke about in the earlier podcast, uh, your father, that to the, to the, the messages you send throughout probably every game, uh, and the layout, what that relationship is. And is there ever a time, I guess, is there ever a time where you're not communicating during a game? 
okay. First, let me just one one note before we go there. Okay. Uh, the alternate title to <laughs> the uh, Chicago Black and White Sox was uh, projections of my own self. I I come off as like really optimistic and stuff. I was talking to myself. Like, come on, guys. I I'm. <laughs> I'm optimistic for other people. I'm like the cheerleader who mm-hmm. doesn't smile that much, but kind of does. But like my dad, I get this from my dad. My dad, yes, we text every Sox game. A lot of times, you know, I don't miss a lot of games. He doesn't miss a lot of games. Right. When we miss a game, it's the other's responsibility to oh. <laughs> report to the I other see. person what's going on. Fair. And but my dad is a type of person who, uh, <laughs> he, uh, when I, I texted him and I was like, uh, Hey, can I use this? Can I use your screenshots for this article? And I didn't know what he was going to say, <laughs> but I sent it to him and he, he laughed so hard. I don't think he realizes how he comes off all the time. <laughs> Cause, <laughs> Cause it's funny to me, but I think it's hilarious. He is a vulgar motherfucker. I mean, he, I make this joke all the time. We got to breakfast and he, when I lived on the South side, it was normal for him to sit down and take a bite. And he'd be like, all this fucking sucks. Like <laughs> he had a problem and has a problem with every single thing that, <laughs> that he would eat. But then when I moved to the North side and I've been here for like eight years and now we go to breakfast by me because there's actual breakfast spots near me <laughs> instead of like, you know, no disrespect. I'll, I'm going right. to stop it there. Uh, <laughs> right. You had to uh, improvise he, a little bit more on the South side. Fair. Yep. Uh, his answer is always like, at first, when he first started warming up to it, it was like, oh, hmm. <laughs> like, not swearing means it's right. great, I guess. <laughs> and now, And now it's like, no, I'll get that on the side. I've never heard of that. And it's mm. like, huh, you should have got the fucking shit. Still <laughs> something. Fucking bees. <laughs> fucking bees. Uh, that's just him. Uh, he's a good, he's a good friend. My dad and I are very good friends. Uh, the White Sox are a thing that we definitely share. It is so fun to text him during games. He's so, we get so mad. <laughs> And a lot of people, I don't know if you've ever had like an angry dad and cause, cause my dad is not an angry dad. My dad is a person who's like, he's a nice guy. He's nice to everyone except for under his breath or if he's driving. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, sure. you would think that he would kill somebody. Uh, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. he gets so mad, but like, he's not a, he wasn't like an angry dad. He like, I think he yelled at me like maybe twice or three times ever. So when I see him swearing at the game, I'm like, ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking tell him. <laughs> so to me, so to me, it's like, I see how it comes off. It's not really like that. It's funny to me. It's so entertaining. And I think that's where I also get kind of like the, Oh God. We fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> do I, do I think that? No. Right. Do I fear that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What you vocalize and what you might secretly feel can be two different things. And the fact that you project 
perhaps more optimism than you might actually feel or allow yourself to feel. Well, I can see that's a characteristic of you. And I also think that may be a fairly common characteristic among maybe sports fans, definitely White Sox fans. I think there's a difference between our fathers. Uh, my father just, just as angry, absolutely just as angry. And a lot of things you just said, wow, <laughs> it rigs very true. However, <laughs> He means it. <laughs> so there's a okay. difference and it's a problem and, uh, you know, it can affect, but then at the same time, like your father probably has this characteristic as well. When there is something to celebrate, the roof is blown off of the joint. So, I mean, there is at least that, and I have to give my own father props, though it can be very heavy when things are bad, uh, when they're good. Oh my goodness. He's, he's back in kindergarten. So at least you do get a, occasional ray of sunshine through the clouds you know what and and it's i get it i i don't know i don't have a good relationship with any of my family actually my dad is the only person uh in my immediate family who i still talk to so uh it's a i i just i have a lot of joy there when he is uh angry like i said i still think it's funny it's funny i i there's like no threat and there's no like Oh no, dad's mad at the again. <laughs> it's like, dad's mad. How loud will he swear today? Will they be in front of other people? What will they think? We're so edgy. <laughs> you know, like, right. uh, I remember, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I feel like the White Sox journey of mine has been taken with my dad like the entire time. And, uh, all of the, all of the highs have been awesome. Like, mm-hmm. He, yeah, he's, he's got a, he's got a ceiling. The, uh, he, I grew up and he lived a couple blocks away from Midway. So when in 05, when we won the whole thing, it was a party, a big party. Yeah. Uh, everyone got very drunk. I was old enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just disclaimer. If you get up really close, you can see how old I actually am. Uh, but you have to be really close. The uh, yeah, the joy that he has in all of the best times is like really fun. But it's just as fun as when he's really angry, and that is a thing that I think that we all feel too. It sucks to lose, like it really, really does. But when's the last? Uh, no, no, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> we've had some bad seasons where we haven't really had joy and oh yeah it's been a decade it's been a decade you know but the past three years since we started the rebuild i've had a lot of fun though right Mm -hmm. haven't you um there's still that cynical part of you that says you know there's sort of waiting for um maybe the clouds to come but yeah that was certainly cautious cautious optimism absolutely and and the I guess whenever, I mean, the bottom always kept getting punted a bit, but when the, when there was finally a rise from the bottom, it's been pretty consistent. There hasn't been, you know, even with injuries, it hasn't been like, you know, Lucy hasn't pulled the football away from us yet. So, you know, I mean, in that respect, it's like, okay, there's momentum with this. So yeah. Oh, oh, certainly. It's definitely taken a turn because it got real dark. You know, I mean, we had a bunch of bad years and then it got really bad. That And that's not common to White Sox fans. People, you know, I, I think we certainly share a certain curiosity and uh, uh, toward and disdain of um, Northside fans, but that's a problem I've had. Now, 
today's fan, today's young fan won't be able to understand this because Cubs just come off five or so years in a row in the playoffs, uh, Super Bowl World Series, has had a greater percentage of success this century than they ever have, or since, I don't know, the 40s. Uh, but I mean, traditionally, and I think you've cited the fact that they, you know, are considered lovable losers and that, that's a, that's a thing that the White Sox, they just don't, White Sox fans just don't go for that. I would say that's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, maybe the only difference between the only significant difference is that we're not going to tolerate that. The idea that we are expected to get into this idea of, oh yeah, we, yeah, we, oh, rebuild. Oh, well, we'll see you in 2020. That stuff kills me. I mean, if it's a means to an end, I suppose, and we're here now, but uh, to be in it, oh, that felt way too much like I was rooting for the wrong team in Chicago. And uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, how did you feel last year? Uh, you know, I like we dropped first round. Like, were you, how devastating was it for you? Or were you hopeful for this year? You know what's strange, Di? Uh, since doing this more, you know, my, my fan, since doing this more as work, it really changes how I've looked at the team. And I, it's sort of a bummer. I mean, I, it's harder for me to get into the, the fan mode, honestly. Um, but that said, uh, no, I think the whole season was such a strength. It was such a weird season. How can you get too uptight? How can you get too high or too low? I mean, even if you'd won a world series, <clears throat> us being Sox fans to say, well, what will history think of this 60 game world series win? Granted, nobody's gonna argue with it, but that's the first like, thing I thought is there, is there like an asterisk or whatever? Um, so yeah, I mean, given it was just a bonus season, like nobody, you know, nobody died while they're playing in a pandemic for God's sake. Uh, you know, I mean, there were a lot of things just to celebrate and the, you know, the fact they got into the playoffs, even though, you know, sort of the coin flipping into the playoffs, uh, the fact that Julio had like a perfect game <laughs> to start the playoffs is pretty sweet. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you can help it, but, but end that season hopeful, providing, you know, like there would be a season and all of that stuff. You get past that, you think it can only get better, right? It can only get better. So I think, I, I think there was optimism because I do want to believe that these are just steps and steps. And I, you know, if the plateau is five years of world series, psh, okay. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that. Did, did you feel the same way or? I cried tears when the first baseball game happened. Uh, I like to, this may sound a little uh, histrionic, but the, uh, you know, I have like a medical condition that's chronic and thanks dad. Thanks for that. <laughs> thanks for those genes. Appreciate it. Incurable. Wow. What a great gift you've given me. Uh, the, the winter is kind of hard for me. Mm. So when it, it coincides with baseball season starting and it's mm. like, Oh, it's the thaw. I can go outside again pretty consistently and I can, you know, do my PT and like, I can masquerade as a normie mm. <laughs> out on the street and be just like a normal person. <laughs> and you can't tell anything's wrong with me. Mm. Uh, that might have something to do with it, but I, it's more than that because when baseball came back, I was like, tears were running down my face. I felt like such a goofball. Cause I was mm. like, why am I crying? I was like inconsolably happy. It was so strange. And I know it had a lot to do with COVID. I had a very r rough year. I got COVID as well in March, mm. like very beginning, like March, wow. 2020. Wow. And I was like, you know, I have a condition that's like, oh, you're going to fucking die if you get this. I didn't. I was fine. I don't have long COVID. Mm. Everything's fine. Mm. But like, yeah, the, it, it was just like a lot of release of everything. I, I fucking hate where like, just like, I'm okay with losing exactly like mm. we had talked about. But last year was 100% an exception. 
I also don't even hate the A's. Like I, I, the A's have been a team that I've always kind of like tolerated. So losing to them wasn't horrible. And I hate, I hate dropping out of the first round. It's just the fucking worst, but the, the, the attitude was different. If it would have been a different year, I would have felt differently last year. Like you said, was just special. And I felt a lot of hope at the end of it. And I was just like, Oh my God, this fires me up so hard for next year. And here we are. It's exciting and yeah. scary. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have plenty of time in the off season to speculate whether or not, no matter the white Sox are world series champions or go out in a sweep, we'll have plenty of time die to talk in the off season, whether or not, they'll even be a 2022. So there's still plenty of clouds out there, which makes, you know, the whole, which makes life uh, so very delightful, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because we haven't even made the playoffs. We haven't finished the regular season. Um, But let's speak to one of your points in our piece and uh, in your piece. And it had to do with, uh, and you had two main takeaways uh, toward the end of the article. The first one of all, Tony LaRusa, and of course, uh, still very much a, a flashpoint for fans, although it does seem like, you know, with winning, whether, whether smartly evaluating or not, with winning comes a little bit more acceptance, tolerance, forgiveness, excitement. Uh, it seems to have turned some fans sort of obstinate about Tony LaRusa and why he should be the manager and why he's great and he's a Hall of Famer, which... Seems over the top to me, but that's okay. Um, but that's the black and white thinking that we were talking about. Why is it all or nothing? Why mm-hmm. does it have to be like, oh, I told you, mm-hmm. or like, oh, yeah, he's horrible. Let's mm-hmm. have a detached acceptance of the situation. Yeah. And given the fact that he's a manager, he's not, <laughs> in theory, he's not going anywhere, at least through October, um, which is what you brought out. But let's take an additional uh, point and let's talk about Tony, the, the manager, uh, beyond just the article. And that is, he seems to have, um, for for better or worse, uh, he seems to have maybe I call it a stubborn streak. Um, for example, uh, Dallas Keuchel, another another guy you just made a drive by reference to, which is probably the best way to refer to Dallas Keuchel these days. <laughs> um, it's 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 clear it's clear even to our Southside Sox writing staff, and you don't even have to be an advanced analytic mind at this point. Now that I've read those articles, of course, because I'm not that um, that you just can't leave this you can't leave this guy in. You can't, you can't give him really, you definitely can't give him a third time through the order. I think you got to be very selective when you're getting through that second time. And it's just, it seems clear as night and day. And I understand the White Sox don't have a, uh, a bottomless uh, reservoir of pitchers to throw guys at. Keuchel's got to eat some innings. He's a starter, but it seems like there's a streak in tone that just says, this is what it's going to be. You know, I invented the closer, so this is how I'm going to use a closer. Uh, you know, I'm making, I'm joking, but, uh, you know, Dallas Keuchel is a starter. So he's got a, and he's a veteran. He tells me he's, you know, he's got the gusto tonight. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, let him live or die. And he's been dying. Um, does that, my question is, does it concern you getting deeper into the season? Of course, who, as you point out, cares about the season at this point they're in, does that concern you in the playoffs when really, uh, the margin of error is really no games, but it's certainly not more than a game or two. And Tony has punted some this year. So is that start to get you nervous without departing too much from the black and white, but realistically um, do you think he's going to continue to apply nuance enough to navigate as the veteran and the hall of famer he is, or are we going to see a guy who's just like, no, this is the way it's going to be. And the white Sox could still win that way, but likely, you know, if Dallas Keuchel's pitching, I guess he won't be starting, but if he's pitching or needs to, because of injury, we might be in trouble. 
so many thoughts and feelings come flooding <laughs> in. First of all, um, I feel like, so I don't, I don't know the answer to this, but isn't there a part of you that says like, okay, I know the our magic number is nine. We're very close. We have these series with one good team out of six good, six full series. Mm-hmm. We are facing one winning team, one winning team. Give me a break. So in my head, I'm like, all right, I'm Tony LaRusso. Let's see. We, our magic number is nine. We have all these layups. Let's not injure guys. Let's not use up our pitching. Like what if there is a method to this, madness that looks like stubbornness but also what if he's so drunk and tired that he's just gambling he's just rolling the dice stay in keichel fine <laughs> those like, are two those are two different thoughts no doubt about I know, it <laughs> i know i know i know that's what goes through my head it's a, it's a mess it's a roller coaster man it's a carousel yeah. and i feel like that's how he operates i feel like he's fucking i look at him i'm like what are you doing mm. i don't understand what you're doing in my head i'm like oh my god just put Raylo in like R- R- Ronaldo Lopez is ready. Like get Dallas mm-hmm. out of there. That's the, dumb though. Like I'm not a manager. I don't know what I'm doing. That could be yeah. disastrous. What if he, like he could be biding his time. He could be leaving Keuchel in to say like, Hey man, I believe in you. You're, you were good before <laughs> you're a veteran. I trust in your stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can work with Ethan Katz a little bit. What is happening? Have you tried this? Maybe it's just a slump. Maybe it's to like build up his confidence or maybe he knows that maybe these games don't really matter, but they do matter in a way because of momentum. It's making me bipolar. <laughs> well, I'm he, arguing with myself. You are. It's it's giving him the opportunity. Well, I think he's taking the opportunity actually to pitch himself out of the playoff rotation. And, and that did need to be seen. I just don't, I mean, We'd rather win the games than lose them. I don't think there's any point in actually wanting to lose games. So given that you want to win them, I would still think you'd apply. I mean, if just for kicks, hey, this time, let's pay attention to uh, the fact that we know he's going to hit the wall five and two thirds in, whatever it is. Um, And let's get him out of it. Let's see how that goes. Just just for a change of pace, because he's done like, it seems like, like, a dozen games in a row, certainly a few games in a row in the second half as he's gotten worse and worse, where it's just like, nope, you're, you're the same guy. He might as well be Lucas Giolito. He might as well be Lance Lynn. And he's just not. And the idea that you're just going to say, well, you know, it does make you think that he's just managing by remote control. He is, you know, I know everybody says, oh, he's falling asleep. It doesn't give you confidence. He's not necessarily falling asleep or snoozing through some really key aspects of you know, he doesn't challenge. He challenges very successfully, I've seen, but he doesn't challenge um, again, which would lead you to think, well, what? They're that, they don't cost money. Uh, you know, right. he's not going to lose the Hall of Fame if he loses a bunch of challenges late in games when it doesn't cost anything even to do. Uh, he continues to be um, uh, elusive. Uh, no he doubt about it. He is a conundrum. He is a Pandora's box at times. Well, <laughs> in, you know, like in my head, where I'm like, okay, well, he treats look, rookies like kind of garbage from what I've seen personally. Like if someone is going to act like that and not back their players, how much of it really is, how much of, of keeping these people in when they should definitely be pulled is actually trying to appear like he has confidence in them and having their back versus like you said, just having that stubborn streak and keeping them in when it's clear they need to be pulled. It's like, I don't know. It, you know, it's like, 
I'm trying to like negotiate with what I think he's doing so that I could, that, that's exactly what the article is about. It's like, damn, it, it would be great if we really did know better. But at the end of the day, I just keep telling myself like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And, like he knows. And the other strange aspect of it, Di, is, is to a, to a man, I mean, I guess we haven't really got your means thoughts on this, but to a man, they seem to endorse the guy. They seem to, to like him. And I know some of that. What, what are you going to say? You don't like him. Of course, you're not going to say that. But there could be more thrown in the bus. Giolito did early in the season that whole big controversy when he said he was gassed and cats came out and Grandal went to the mound and he shouldn't have still been pitching the White Sox and losing the game, even though he'd pitched so well. That seemed like mm-hmm. to be a very like seminal moment for this team where it's like, wait, this could all really go off the road because he's like pretty clearly calling somebody out. And it's, I mean, it does end with Larusa. Uh, but you know, to a player, you've got basically, you know, basically the captain, uh, Jose Abreu, who, who seems to love him. Uh, we've seen like crazy, like embraces or he's like giving Andrew Vaughn a bear hug and probably making his legs tired. So he can't play for the whole last three weeks of the season. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've seen that. It's like, okay, so it's young guys, it's older guys. Now, again, some of that just, you know, I don't know if it's Stockholm syndrome going on where it's like, well, he's a hall of famer. He's got like, he's got rings. He may punch me with those rings. So I better just like, you know, say he's, he's, he's a splendid fella, but I think it, it seems like, uh, I mean, I'm very interested to know, and in the zoom era, it's going to be hard to know. Uh, what a lot of the inside scoop on what's going on in that clubhouse is and what's going on in the dugout is. Uh, obviously, if stuff was really off the rails, we would hear about it. It would be plain to us as much as some of some of the, the oddity of the season has been plain to us. There'd even be more that would be obvious. So things must be going smoothly. And I mean, you, you do have to tip your cap for that. I mean, he did come in and say he wasn't going to disrupt the chemistry. He was going to respect the chemistry. And aside from some strangeness, like with your mean, that very odd barking at Sebi in the dugout uh, was, was strange. But I mean, aside from some of those sort of like public weirdnesses, I mean, he does seem to have this roster really full throated behind him and wouldn't have been what I expected, but I mean, you, you got to feel pretty good about that as the season winds down. Yes. I have a question, Brett. Okay. Did you see the video with uh, Yuan Mankata getting a haircut and Tony LaRusso was speaking Spanish to him and they were just like the best of buds. Did you see that? I did see that. Uh, okay. Uh, for anyone listening, if you haven't seen that, you should look it up. It's all over Twitter. It made, it actually made me feel uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out why. <laughs> and I sat there and thought, you know, like I'm a student of the psychology mm-hmm. of things. And like, I sat there and thought about it. Why did this make me feel so uncomfortable? And I'm like, because I have no idea who this guy is. He is, mm. he shows a different side of himself constantly. So we, like, I haven't figured him out. He, you know, my husband, who is a lifelong Cardinals fan, he hasn't figured him out. And, you know, he, he experienced him for a long time. And it's, it boggles my mind. I'm like, oh my God, it's all these different things. And maybe that's why that's the part of the black and white part of it as well, where you can't pin him down. You can't say like, Oh, he sucks. Or like, Oh, he's great. You really can't. If you look at his record, you can say like, Oh, he knows what he's doing. But at the same time, it's like, look, does he, is he burned out? He's 950 years old. (laughs) I mean, not to be an ageist, but like if you're falling asleep during press conferences, uh, 
Sorry, well, let's I didn't even mean to bring that up again. Well, let's even look at it as being away from the game for ten years. Yeah, you know, if, if yeah. you're if you run out of the game at thirty and you come back at four, it's it's a little different than when it's just like, well, what the hell? I'm in the Hall of Fame. I had to call the Hall of Fame to see if they would take my Hall of Fame back down if I went back to manage, and they said no. So that's why I came back. Boy, if the Hall of Fame had just said yes. But anyway, totally. <laughs> Totally alternate universe. Hey, you know, when you mentioned uh, when we talked earlier about your husband being a Cardinals fan and realized the sort of beef and the sort of um, speed bump you would have had to get over with him, because, of course, the Cardinals, with a record two games better than 500, really stole a 2006 World Series that was rightfully the White Sox, in spite of the fact the White Sox didn't even make the playoffs that, that year. Uh, you should have a, you should, that grudge shouldn't really be let up against him, though you did not know each other. Um, until the White Sox, <laughs> until the White Sox won a World Series, then I think you can, I think you can bury it then. But as for now, you should say, I can't believe Tony La Russa and your dirty, dirty Cardinals stole the 2006 World Series from the White Sox, in spite of my White Sox now you make the playoffs. So the thing about that is that he, uh, so he played college hockey and he's like a huge hockey fan and he, He's like an all sports fan. He's a guy who is like, it blows my mind because he knows the stats. He's in so deep fantasy football. He knows the stats <laughs> of every single no name guy on like the Cleveland Browns. I'm like, how does your brain do this stuff? It's, it's, it's insane to me. Anyway, he was a big Cardinals fan, but like we talked about last time, I mean, he is a diehard Sox fan now it only took like three years the first year he was like oh yeah you like this team and I was like oh oh boy this also yeah right this also tells me die that your husband did not suffer excessive concussions playing college hockey because he has chosen he's chosen a smart team to root for which we can say now because it's the 2020s exactly (laughs) just a few years ago yeah, you might have wanted him to take him for a, an extra helping of cat scans, but no, now it's like, man, this guy's brilliant. Cardinals and is, White Sox. The other thing about that though is that he's seven years younger than me. So uh when that was going on, he was a tiny child. Not really. He was not a tiny child. Uh, but he uh I don't think that he I mean he wasn't an adult, was he? No, he was not an adult. Okay. How old is my How old is my husband, Brett? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the research, and when we talk next, we will we'll have we'll okay. devote a segment to it. Uh, but it does explain the screams <laughs> we're hearing at random in the background. We are recording during Monday Night Football, and clearly he's angry about some <laughs> random quarterback or uh, uh, <laughs> flanker getting hurt or drinking the wrong Gatorade. So yeah, fantasy football it's it is a it's a sickness, and I'm glad to buy. He's in it. he's in three leagues three and he does a lot i mean he said you know he's an actor as well and mm. uh he does other things and i don't know how he does i don't know how he does that's really three too many die i think you know that <laughs> I, I okay all right well all right on that note let's take a quick break let's get back to uh we're going to break down the two of us a little bit of stretch run uh die, die tease it a bit this easy stretch run to the end of the regular season and of course does it matter uh we'll discuss that in just a second we're going to take a very brief pause we'll be right back with podcast number 65 i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, guess what? You know, um, for some of you, those few watching, that pause wasn't long at all. We came right back at you because we can't stay away. Now, maybe if you're listening to the podcast, maybe you heard some bizarre commercial. You know, Dibilic. We like to call her around the water cooler. We like to call her diabolical, but diabolic, you know, she's been in some of those commercials that you might well hear on a Southside Sox podcast because there's some random stuff and she has vouched for some, I won't say random product products, but some interesting products. There's no doubt about it. Um, so who knows? I, you could hear her voice and then you'd be freaking out. If you hear her on a commercial during a podcast that she's on, the universe will fold within itself and goodbye to everyone. I have a question for you. Okay. Have you ever wanted to become a paralegal in nine months? Now with Westwood college, you can stop sitting on the couch and eating chips call today. That's me. I've done fucking 80 of those. Well, I think we have to cut this off because I am going to apply for some paralegal (laughs) services right now. Uh, well, I just hope one day you get to do the, the, the updated and revamped DeVry tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I don't know if DeVry exists anymore, but that's what I need you to do one day. I mean, I'm older than you. So, uh, that was a commercial that played relentlessly. And boy, I guess if you could get that tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow voiceover. Well, boy, Southside Sox would be in great shape because I would just get, I would just ask for one tenth of one percent of those residuals, and man, would we be flush! Oh my goodness! Uh, you would okay. Be surprised those those uh those little colleges uh, don't they're non-union, so that's when I just need groceries, and I'm like, okay, I'll do one of those. I see. Yeah, non-union. Hmm. Rings familiar. Rings. Moving on. Rings familiar. <laughs> okay, in the second half, we are going to discuss. Uh, just the nuts and bolts beyond just the black and white socks, uh, which is the article we are playing this podcast off up to some degree that uh, Di published for us uh, yesterday. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about stretch run. I like to do this sometimes. You folks probably get tired of reciting the stats. White Sox right now, 82 and 61. Magic number, just nine. Essentially, they are clinched. I believe at this point they could lose every game the rest of the season and they will still clinch because I don't think Cleveland can actually I mean, in theory, realistically, they cannot do it. But anyway, magic number, yeah, for what it's worth, nine. Uh, the run differential record projects the White Sox to 96 wins. Well, they've been underperforming that all year, so that's not going to happen. Tony Larusa, sorry, folks, sorry, has not overperformed. You can argue he's underperformed. I don't think that's even up for question, but fine. He has not overperformed this team. So they are not going to match their run run differential projection. They're a game and a half behind Houston. That is a concern because not only is it going to be hard to make up a game and a half on Houston, a very good team to get home field for the playoffs, which is also significant for a reason I will give you in mere seconds, but their run differential hasn't projected 101 wins. Their run differential is better than the White Sox. So they're going to have to really fall off 
uh, to allow the White Sox to catch up, especially with no head-to-head games. Right now, just the sheer record projects the White Sox at 93 wins. Seems realistic, seems better than most of us would have thought. I think that puts me about minus four on the season. I think I had them at 89 this year, so I don't think anybody's going to be upset with that. That would mean 11-8. and eight the rest of the year for them to get to where they need to be. Uh, and of course the concern with being on the road in the first round, rather than at home is the white Sox are actually playing below 500 ball on the road. They're crushing it at home. So as much as you want to say, well, at least they made it. Hey, third seed's pretty good. And that's all true. No beef there, but it's a big difference with you two and three. If the white Sox can do anything to push for that as silly as it seems, because these games don't mean anything, they're going to be in the playoffs. Well, if they get into the playoffs, and lose three or lose a quick two in Houston, you know, that's, that's going to be a bummer. It'd be nice to at least make a run at it. Maybe Houston will help out. I wouldn't count on it. However, the good news is Houston can't possibly have an easier schedule the rest of the way than the White Sox do. Three at the Angels beginning tonight. Uh, Rangers three, Detroit three, Cleveland 65 games, actually. I think it's five, but it's going to feel, <laughs> believe me, it's going to feel like 65 games. Uh, Reds for two. Just a little dip to toe dip in the water for two. And then Detroit again for three. Detroit, in other words, essentially the second best team in the division. <laughs> Insert laughter here. Uh, okay, so I guess let's go big picture before we maybe drill down at all, Di, and that is, does any of this matter? Can they go 0-19, make the playoffs? Could they not? Does it matter? Ugh. Well, like you just said, I hope, I, I hope that it doesn't matter. I hope that it doesn't matter. Uh, looking at everyone's, everyone's record, except for the Reds, two games, the Reds are at 521. Everyone else is under 500. Mm-hmm. Some embarrassingly, I cannot <laughs> believe the Rangers 373. Uh, wow. I just, it, it, you want to like, you want to like justify if we get those losses and the way that I, in my head, if you read the article, the way that my subconscious will justify it for me in order to soothe my brain is, a, oh, well, Louis is not pushing them because hmm. he wants them to like be healthy going into the playoffs and like getting ready for the playoffs. Of course it matters. It matters to also, I mean, like not just like home field advantage, but it matters to the morale of the team, I think going into the playoffs, you know, like after having great series and just like crushing guys, mm. I, I just, and these teams are just so, I mean, I'm not going to say anyone's easy to beat. Like I said, I'm not a baseball player. Uh, <laughs> I can say that any team is easy to beat by looking at the record and sitting in this cushy chair. Uh, no team is easy to beat. It's professional baseball give me a break that's ridiculous for me to say but when you're looking at the numbers plain and simple it should be kind of a walk in the park luckily the you know those teams that we just like no matter how poorly they're doing we just have a hard time with them royals twins like what is it about them yankees it's just it's sucky luckily none of those are part of the rest of our season Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's like okay well what are we going to do with it how bad do these other teams want to not have like like an embarrassing end you know how bad do they want to just like keep the White Sox out of 
home field advantage or like, you know, like I don't really know. That's gotta be, that's gotta be just so list low low on your list of beefs, keeping the white Sox out of the playoffs. I mean, really, if that, if that's bulletin board material for you, I think you're doing bulletin board material wrong. If, if Shohei Otani's like, God, I hate the white Sox. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be the spoiler for the White Sox. No, just hit another five homers, steal another five bases, go even further into history, and let the White Sox sweep. That's probably how it's gonna play out. Okay, it's cool. The good news, die is, is despite the fact that Detroit is is actually you know they're they're, they're better I think than we would have expected, and I think you can make mm-hmm. a strong argument they're the the second best team in the division. Which again, it's hard to not laugh when you say that phrase. But the White Sox have played them well, uh, whereas uh, Cleveland, I think they're about five hundred against this year, and clearly they're not gonna sweep. 65 games against them in the last week of the season it's gonna be hard to do that it's just hard to do as i always say about five game series guy it's just hard to sweep a five game series uh you know so you know you're gonna lose one or two of those uh detroit it's realistic i think you take two out of three you take uh you know five out of six uh because they played them really well um and maybe they hit them at the right time i think they did hit (laughs) they played 60 games in april or something so before they started to get their legs under them so maybe we're in for a a very scary september and that would be the one team that would say hey you know let's send a message for 2022 and these guys so uh you know let's rear up and punch them right in the mouth and show them that we're going to be there with them next year that's the only team here that i could see you know doing that and the reds again it's a sneeze of two games so however riled up they're going to get they could in theory i don't they could be eliminated by the time we play them i mean i don't know how close they are in things but i know they're not any sort of commanding position so they might just be you know joey Votto just might take those two games off because he's a little older and he's a cool guy he's going to be sitting with some of his personal best fans in the stands and you know he'll just he'll pass um uh how okay the question then the corollary question i'm going to give you um uh you answered it more academically now i'm going to ask as a fan which you sort of asked to me about 2020 i'm going to ask as a fan if the white Sox don't win another game this season meaning they're even swept out of the playoffs (laughs) are you still happy with this season Hell no. Hell no. We have a promising team. Are they the best team? No, absolutely not. Can they win? Yeah. Uh, A good streak, lots of luck, and all our guys getting hot at the same time? We could absolutely win. We can. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's a couple of factors at play there, but like if we lost the rest of everything, I, uh, 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 <laughs> uh, Oh my God, I'm getting the hives. I, uh, I feel like, I mean, obviously we won't as far as playoffs go though. I will be disappointed if we don't. Ugh, I know at the, we, I, I set my prediction, which was we will go to the World Series. Right. I feel like I'm doubting that a little bit more as I watch these other teams at the end of all of this. I'm so watching, watching more teams play, and I'm like, oh no. And just like watching, I don't know. I, I had a lot of faith in our pitching and watching Keuchel fall apart consistently, mm-hmm. and then just like the whole. There are many the whole, cracks. Yeah, there, there are a lot of there team. are a lot of cracks, and you know, I was so fired up about certain players. Hendricks, I was really fired up about. 
not anymore. I, I'm not saying like, oh, he's a bad pitcher. Right. I'm just saying like, damn, we paid a lot of money for him for that. <laughs> Great. Yeah. And then we have Kimbrel, and it's like, oh God, he's a sleeper cell. He was paid by the Cubs with Tapera to throw games at the very end. Mm. Mm. Uh, do I believe that? No. Is it funny? Maybe. I don't know. Kind of. <laughs> the uh, just the the whole like and what you said about. Tony La Russa, being stubborn, making moves that a lot of people are like, what is he doing? Uh, God, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Mm-hmm. It, that's the fun of baseball, though, right? It's yeah. the fun of it. It's having panic attacks, being like, oh, God, what's happening? Well, and we weren't wrong to say, hey, this is you know, not that you made your prediction in, in May or June, but you could easily have made that prediction in May or June because at the time they were the best team in the American League. They seem like somehow they were starting to, I mean, they were running away from the division, but they were also putting a little bit of distance between them and the rest of the teams, of the American league that made you think, Hey, wait, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. And then it's going to be even better when some of the other guys get back. Now you see Astro stuff. I don't want to admit the Astro stuff. Astros are tough Rays, Ridiculous. Whatever black magic they're using, they are killer. And they got to be the favorites going to the playoffs. Yankees yeah. got all riled up by the losing the field and dream games or whatever that, you know, they've been hot. Um, there are tough teams. It's, it's not a, it's not, I don't know, even the National League seems softer, even though there are, I mean, the Giants, what, scratch your head and say, what? Dodgers, you don't want to face, but then they've injured 68 pitchers and put one in jail or whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, whatever that is, but uh, maybe soon to be. But, you know, uh, American League, man, it's going to, you know, it is going to be rough. And maybe, I mean, the thing that in spite of wagging a finger and saying, uh, don't go on the road get home field because then who knows in the second series, it might not be the race. Maybe the Rays get tripped up. Maybe you have home field in that second, uh, in that, in that second series as well. Uh, maybe something that Tony says that makes it isn't make, makes it not as important is listen, we got some guys who can throw. If I'm throwing Giolito and Lance Lynn, or if Rodon somehow gets stronger, <laughs> which is not realistic, but gets stronger in the last three weeks, we got, Rojan Giolito, whoever's whoever's healthiest among those guys, you got to like your chances of stealing a game on the road because you know White Sox have uncommonly strong at at its strength, uncommonly strong starting pitching, and that's the one thing that's going to help you mess up you know any of this voodoo about being poor on the road. Maybe in the back of his head he's thinking that, but the problem with that is you got to make sure these guys are healthy. You got to make sure somehow they don't end up getting gas down the stretcher and down the stretch uh lynn was i don't know he's limping off the field uh uh last you know game it, you know, tells me that even though you know he's gonna muscle through he's a hoss hey if he's not 100 oh you know what's the effect there is giolito gonna come back strong is rodan you know, gonna get his deal back he could get they could be a hundred percent in october they're 100 percent on october whatever fourth you gotta like your prediction coming true it's just man those are some ifs. And, you know, that's what makes us as White Sox fans just a little nervous and arguably smart and realistic. Yep. Big ifs, but also something that gives me pause is, you know, there's so much information coming in. A lot of the things that I think about is like what they've said, which is uh, if, if Lance Lynn is injured and, you know, like he has a messed up this or that, like, you know, his knee is still bothering him come playoff time, he will play through it. If Tim Anderson is still injured, right. come playoff time, he will play through it. Sure. Tony LaRusso will make sure that they play through it. And it's like, you know, they were talking about their willingness to like through injury, 
work in the playoffs, that tells you that they are super hyper-focused on that. The other side of Larusa is how much experience he has in the postseason. And like, you gotta love that. You look at Ricky and it's like, uh, you know, like, what can you really tell these guys that, that you haven't yeah. already said well, yeah. with Larusa, It's not like that. It's, it's there. He's done it. He knows the difference you would think. Right. You, I mean, like you, he knows the difference. I don't know how he's going to apply it to our, our guys, but that's, that gives me hope and just their focus on the playoffs gives me hope. Yeah. I don't know though. Cautiously realistic. Yeah. Yeah. You'd like to think that if, if game one did turn out to be a loss, that LaRusso would have something to convey to the team, maybe just in his countenance and his presence that would convey something different than Ricky. No, dis on Ricky. Ricky hasn't been there. So what, how is he going to know? He's just going to be like, you know, rah, rah, let's, let's have some ceviche together. Let's come out for a little, you know, extra calisthenics and you know, whatever he's going to say, you know, he's making it up because he's trying to build his, you know, Hall of Fame resume. Uh, obviously LaRusso, is there enough to say, you know, in case things, you know, don't go their way that the, you know, the world isn't going to fall apart. We'll see. I mean, he has to be present. He has to be conveying, you know, something to the guys to instill that. Or I don't know, maybe the ma- maybe managers truly don't matter. All this discussion is silly because the players just go out and play. I don't know. Tim Anderson, obviously he's going to be healthy or not. Uh, he hit like gangbusters. He was, in, he was, he's injured every year. Let's face it. Uh, he yeah. hit like gangbusters at the start of the playoffs. I mean, they only had three games. He, hit, he went bananas. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> Louis Robert hit a ball that has not landed yet last year in the playoffs. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, these are, these are great signs in the team, I, you know, by any stretch is, is stronger than last year. Even guys who necessarily haven't showed up in the way, like a, say maybe a Cesar Hernandez, but guys who haven't necessarily, you know, Moncada, the guy everybody loves to hate, even though, you know, puts up a five war season or whatever, you know, I mean, there's still, there's not everybody is at the, at their ceiling. Let's put it that way. And, you know, so, I mean, the fact that some of these guys might have uh, a, a finishing kick in them for the postseason, even though it's been a long year, you know, that can only bode well for the White Sox because, you know, depth, they've proven their depth this year. Their depth has been challenged and, and they've proven it even in the rotation. You get Jimmy Lambert coming up and, and making a pretty decent start. I mean, they don't got much after Jimmy Lambert, but it's nice to know that if they need a number six, he's there, I guess. To that point, too, as far as like, I mean, it it speaks to the black and white thinking of the whole situation. Remember how everyone was really bad at Yasmani when he was just constantly walking like it was like it was a bad thing or something. And it's like Mm -hmm. now he's uh, hot as hell. And it's it's just it's uh, it's all or nothing with like the way that we're reacting because there's been injury after injury and like all of these different things coming off of a COVID year that we all had to like, you know, adjust to, I mean, Mankata got COVID. He wasn't the same for such a huge long mm-hmm. chunk of time. And now he's picking back up and everyone's like, ah, whatever. And it's like, dude, do you understand what that, yeah. that guy went through? You know, the thing that's nuts about Mankata, he missed five games last year. He played more yeah, games than anybody he had and he had, and he admitted like, it's killing me. He's gassed in the dugout. He missed five games. I know. He like reconditioned himself and people are still like blind, blind. It's like, he's also an international pop superstar. Oh yes, he is. (laughs) You know, Di, it's a, it's a different podcast that we're going to have to pick up some other time, but I would like to see, I'm going to, as we wind it down, I'm going to leave with this one of these thoughts. And one is I'd like to see the Venn diagram of folks. And unfortunately, 
one of your guys, Azaruni, is one of them. I'd like to see the Venn diagram of people who are complaining about Yasmani walking too much and the guys who overinflate the importance of Jose Abreu getting RBIs. Again, nobody hates RBIs. That big controversy is going to make my head explode. Ozzy's dogging Yasmani. Mm-hmm. And then RBIs are the most important thing in the world. Well, guess what? Yasmani has to be on base for Jose to knock him in. I mean, it's run production. Exactly. Again, listen, we didn't play. We didn't play. But But their job is to get on base. If this dude is walking over and over and over, he's constantly on his on base percentage looked like uh, Tony LaRusse's DUI friggin' blood alcohol count. It was ridiculous. (laughs) One point something. Uh, that's it was actually 0.95. I know that it is a fact. I know that because it made me so mad. Anyway, digression. Uh, his job is to get on base. He got on base. You're going to complain about that. Now he's hot. Oh no, he's not walking anymore. Oh, mm. What? Shut yep. up. You're yep. never happy. Yep. I run, run production. Yes. Run production. You have to score runs. You have to drive runs in. They're both important. I understand that one might be more clutch because there's more pressure to drive a guy in just to get on base. But if there's no way on base, guess what? Jose Abreu has far fewer runs better in this year if no one's on base. That's just fact. Because exactly. I think he would have, how many homers does he have? 20 or whatever? Whatever, how many homers? 30? I don't even know. Sorry, Jose. 30 RBIs this year if no one's on base. Sorry, Jose. To that point, and specifically to Ozzy, who I love, though, uh, which just makes me mad. How many times has he talked about Ozzy ball, small ball? You got to <laughs> do everything you can. You got to look and look, throw a bunt. Do anything you can to get on base. He's doing everything he well, can to get on base. It's not good enough for you. Why? You'll remember, Di. This is when you were just getting hardcore into the socks, but you'll remember that every year as manager, Ozzy would say, man, these guys don't know how to bunt. Now, first of all, we'd all say to ourselves, somebody's the manager i'm pretty sure he has some authority over bunty but then you say we're gonna work really hard on in spring training we're gonna do it differently next year and then next year would come by and he'd say man nobody on this team knows how to bunt there's a funny little feedback loop he had going there so yeah for all you know i mean accidental grinder ball i mean the, the hilarious thing of course about 2005 is grinder ball was an awesome awesome advertising campaign killer maybe the best they've ever had probably in my mm-hmm. lifetime aside from shorts and blowing fireworks off on the scoreboard uh, but man, they hit like 650 home runs that year. So, and their starting pitching was crushing it. And every time one of their closers broke, a new one would grow out of the ground and be a killer. So, so lucky here, you don't go, uh, uh, um, pole to pole and then lose one in the postseason and not have a fair amount of luck and an incredible amount of skill on that team. But, Ah, and then your goddamn husband's Cardinals had to win the World Series in 2006. Boy, man, I really got grievances against this guy. And I, I mean, listen, I, let me, I love him. Aside from the fantasy football thing, I love him. But boy, the Cardinals <laughs> thing. Ugh. All right. I'm going to get past it. Maybe in time for our next podcast, I'll try and get past it. There was no dog cameo, even though that dog has been jealous throughout. Uh, <laughs> the shouts have died down. So maybe it's halftime Monday Night Football. And I think we have solved all of the White Sox problems for the stretch run. And so I appreciate uh, if you had not appeared with me tonight for number 65, that wouldn't have been accomplished and the White Sox wouldn't be on the road to greatness in October. So thank you for sharing that wisdom because we know you're listening, White Sox. You might even be watching. And, you know, available for voiceover work. That's diabolical, delightful, dynamite, diabilic. So 
the, the Just 2021 Chicago White Sox want you to go to college from your house. <laughs> Only nine months, you can be on a podcast that talks about how bad and how good the White Sox are. Can't make up your mind? We can't either. We're horrible. Uh, not that to steal. free. That first yeah. one's free. Yeah, and ab- <laughs> absolutely not to steal the gig whatsoever, but... If you're frustrated with overflow parking for crowded games and you find yourself in the IIT parking lot, consider enrolling in classrooms. <laughs> there you go. Tag team. Tag team partners. Okay, well, that was this, great. Has, this has been Southside Sox Mothership Podcast number 65. Yes, old enough to retire, but we will not retire because we'll probably be back with one really frankly before any of you even want one. But that's just the relentless pace at which we run. Plus, we're in the stretch run. I don't know what the deal is with my beloved 85-member staff, but there seems to be a little bit of malaise setting in. I don't know if we're all just like coasting out of the playoffs, but I'm hoping that next time we have a Mothership Podcast, there will be many other different faces, a whole, the whole, we're going to go full Brady. I hope we have a full nine for our next podcast to get a lot of voices out there, a lot of enthusiasm as things go Clearly, we're going to have a clinch podcast, but I'm sure we're going to have something before then because it's probably not going to be just a few games from now, knowing how the White Sox are shuffling their way to October. But uh, thanks, Di, for joining me. Great piece on the black and white uh, Sox on Monday. Appreciate talking about it with you. And uh, hey, why don't we do this again sometime? Thank you. I would love to, and uh, I will be back soon. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, always, for listening, reading, sometimes watching, and tolerating the Mothership Podcast.